Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to That Time We Woke Up In A Podcast and Had To Explain Manga, our heated adventures overanalyzing manga that we find interesting, otherwise known as the Over Manga Cast. This week, we read Vinland Saga by Makoto Yukimura, chapters 1 through 16, covering the story of Thorfinn's origin. Grab your swords, swear vengeance, and pray to Odin. Let's get to it. Alright everyone, welcome back to the show. My name is Sam, and as always, here at the top of the program, we like to talk about what our experience with the franchise is. My classic answer is always, I have uh, heard of this thing, listened to the OP, thought it slapped, and wanted to uh, experience more and never did. And that mantra holds true for Vinland Saga. Akanjo is an absolute bob. The band's name is Survive Said the Prophet, which might be the best band name I've ever heard in my entire life. But beyond that, I really didn't know more than it was a manga, what about Vikings, and was apparently, according to some internet posters, with Berserk in the never going to get a good anime adaptation club. And then it got a good anime adaptation, so... <laughs> yeah, that's about all I had before today. Uh, Matt here. I'll be short and sweet. Uh, I knew nothing about this. So um, everything about this was a complete uh, fresh take on me. Like I'd heard the name before was my extensive knowledge. How about you, Jay? Uh, no prior knowledge here. Fresh take. And Jacob. I've heard of the anime. I'd seen like clips of the anime. I knew that it was like a... Um, like dark and gritty and like sort of a unusual subject matter. You usually don't see a lot of Japanese material about Vikings. Like I knew what the idea of it was. I knew what the premise of it was, but I'd never actually, I think I'd heard the OP once or twice, maybe. When Sam hears good OPs, I've usually experienced them. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, this is the first time I've ever like directly experienced anything with the Vinland Saga in particular. This is one of those ones that I knew I wanted to get into because it sounded up my alley. You know, meditations on violence and pride and all cool, gritty fight scenes. The stuff that I enjoy. And that's what we start with. Over in uh, Frankish country, uh, France, where an army is besieging a fortress and very bloodily losing many men to the relatively uh minor wounds that they're inflicting on the defenders it's a it's a very uh grueling siege that they're not getting a lot out of it has a very period piece feel to it 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 almost seems more like uh like a historical documentary type thing as opposed to any other particular genre and that period is the turn of the millennium not 2000 1000 <laughs> this is some old stuff some old tech uh, as we see with, you know, the, the classics of pouring boiling oil on the attackers and bows and crossbows being the most powerful weapons on the field and all that. Uh, crossbows in particular being an unusual and powerful piece of technology that is rare and recently introduced. But you know and what it, they need to truly succeed in the siege? Vikings? Trebuchets. Oh, trebuchets. Yeah, no, nah, that's it. That might have even been better. Uh, the ultimate siege weapon. <laughs> See, they're in they're in castle age. They haven't hit imperial age yet. 
I would have liked to see how the Vikings uh, implemented trebuchets into their combat strategy. I mean, if I if I knew Vikings, they would latch themselves onto the trebuchet and hurl themselves into the castle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've done an awful lot of talking about the French for the uh, manga, ostensibly about Vikings. And it's here where we cut to a band of Norsemen who are uh, watching this bloody slog up on a hill like... Hmm, what side do we join? Well, we could join the uh, attackers and uh, probably get a huge treasure out of it if we actually manage to break the walls of this fortress. You know what? Let, let's give that a shot. Let's send this kid in who looks like a main character to go and... Let's send him the protagonist. The strategic situation that they're in is the attackers have a massive numerical advantage and the defenders can't flee because they're, you know, pinned in their fortress. It's the only defensible position. They're heavily outnumbered, which is on the water. Yeah, it's on a it's on a lake. So and that's why the uh, much larger attacking army can't actually break the siege because they only have to defend one quarter of the fortress against an attack. There's like a river protecting the flanks and there's a lake protecting the rear. The safe money should be on the attacking army, but they keep they're they, they just losing men in droves because how well defended and how well positioned the fortress is. Yep. Also how inept their leadership is, but you know. Yeah. We'll get well, to that. We'll get to gluttony at home later. <laughs> <laughs> the other situation is if they join the defenders and break the siege, they'll get paid a certain amount. Whereas if they join the attackers, and sack the place, then they'll have a larger potential payout as well. Yeah, and those are odds that uh, the leader of the Viking band, Asklad, is willing to take. So he sends our uh, protag goon, one Thorfinn, down to serve as the messenger. And uh, Thorfinn is a very angry boy. He has the eyes of someone who uh, liked uh, listening to... Um... My Chemical Romance and wearing their black hoodie to school. Uh. <laughs> I wouldn't characterize him as a simple emo kid. I mean, giving his motivations for his 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 anger. This isn't mm. just normal teen angst. Well, that's the thing. He might not <laughs> just be normal teen angst, but he definitely looks like it. <laughs> he has perpetual grump face. It's only later than we find out. That, oh, no, this is very justified. I don't want to raid the French today, Mom. I want to <laughs> hang out with my friends. Thorfinn, you're too angry. You keep breaking your friends' arms when you mock fight. Maybe they should just be stronger. And <laughs> you, be, know what? you know, true warriors, you know, like I want to be. Gosh. Thorfinn goes down to the Frankish troops and... F manages to find uh, somebody who speaks uh, North Tongue, Norse speak, uh, to serve as a translator. And we meet, uh, we have gluttony at home. <laughs> Look, no, this guy looks like a Muppet. He <laughs> looks like a sock puppet Muppet, just his head flapping back, his arms flailing. And his head does split in half at the cavernous mouth of this fat. He's so fat that he's just like, he's completely severe Cole. Mm -hmm. he's a very rotund individual we have all of these realistic looking characters and then here's this i don't know basketball thing like he's a puppet like <laughs> yes <laughs> puppet really is the best word for him but this is the general of the attacking army 
who well, uh, is he actually a general or he gave me the kind of sense that he's more political he's a lord but he gave himself the title of general yeah so he's more political he doesn't fight this guy is absolutely a nepotism hire for the military well they they even outright mentioned that that he is he is a local lord because this is this is uh the feudal frankish principalities I'm, this isn't france yet that doesn't look you should be nicer to him he's got connections like he i hear he's the son of the grand emperor of france uh kermit z frog <laughs> <laughs> i see the family resemblance honestly yeah yes Thorfinn, via the interpreter, delivers the terms to the gen uh, the Frankish general. We will join your side. We will break this siege. You will give us half of the treasure. And the general is like, no, I'm not taking this place for a strategic advantage. I'm taking it for the money. I'm not giving you half my treasure. Get out of here, kid. All right, then my band leader is just going to join the defenders then. What do you bring to the table? You're just 100 guys from Norway. Uh, we can attack them from the rear in the lake. <laughs> As if you could get boats down there. The only path into that lake is uh, dangerous rapids. We'll do it. All dangerous right. rapids with waterfalls. Dangerous rapids with waterfalls, yes. It's like, okay, whatever. Show up at dawn if you really want to. Show up at dawn, and if your people don't show off, um, your head is going to be the centerpiece of the victory feast that we have. Yeah, which Thorfinn affirms that they will indeed show up. And at first he questions the boy's honesty and determines there's some kind of look in his eye that makes him feel certain that he will follow through. I saw no lie in his eyes or something to that effect. Also, he has the uh, like really good ability to know when people are calling him a fat ass in other languages. <laughs> yeah, I like that line. Just like I don't know what you said, but I feel like you insulted me. I have an ear for these things. <laughs> I get the distinct impression you insulted me. Thorfinn uh, fires off the signal for uh, Asklad and the boys. And we get uh, a great sequence of a whole bunch of more members of this Frankish army uh, guarding the river some ways back. And I honestly God thought that these madmen were going to just ride their way down the rapids and waterfalls in their war boats and damn the consequences and the physics, particularly when the guards in the Frankish army notice a dragon rearing over the forest in the moonlit night. Rear guard of the attacking army that notices them. Mm -hmm. And what they spotted was the prow of a Viking warship being hoisted up. Uh, it occurs to me there is one thing that we uh, failed to mention that's very important that happened um, as Thorfinn was being sent to negotiate this contract. With General Muppet, yes. When Thorfinn was uh, given this task, his immediate response was, why should I? And Askeladd said, well, you know what? How about I give you three gold coins? How's that sound? And Thorfinn, displeased by this obvious joke answer, uh, says, you know what I want. And the important element is uh, Askeladd says that, fine, you'll get that thing if you bring me the commander's head, assuming that there's no way that Thorfinn would be able to accomplish this. Because money means nothing to this kid. The only thing he seeks is violence. <laughs> he woke up and chose violence and he would choose it again. Every day. Yes. Thorfinn has strong, I really hate my stepdad energy. <laughs>
damn it you're right <laughs> yeah that's that's his character in a nutshell it's kind of an insult i mean you're not wrong but it's also <laughs> kind of an insult he does not accept this man as his dad exactly yeah you're not my real dad john <laughs> you might live in our house and eat our checks mix but I'm never going to let you drive me to the sock op. You're not my real dad, Oscon. You live in our longhouse and drink Look. our mead. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Thurfin is like, if he was in a different time period, he would be that kid. I'm just saying, I would I would read the 1980s Americana version of uh, Vinland Saga. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> gosh anyway but, yeah anyway dawn rises on the next day and uh the frankish general general muppet uh he has a real name but he's general muppet now he's not a character and i honestly don't not even sure if he's a real person even <laughs> in the context of the story so general muppet is an adequate name for this that guy thing as we established earlier dear listeners his name is uh, actually general z frog <laughs> general z frog <laughs> yes uh, he is getting ready for another attack. We see more bloody, bloody combat. The general turns to Thorfinn and is like, hey, it's dawn and your boys aren't here. Guess you're going to get killed for it, huh? And Thorfinn's like, yeah, whatever. Just get on with your uh, attack, fat ass. That's the point where, where we get the uh, I have the distinct impression that you insulted me line comes from. <laughs> Because mm -hmm. Thorfinn says almost exactly that. And then we get on with a very brutal, flashy set of attacks as the Vikings go to work. Because uh, at about the same time that Thorfinn is turning to his interpreter and saying, hey, that guy with the plume on his helmet, that's the enemy commander, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thorfinn draws his blades and, and charges in. He's got target in sight in pursuit. <laughs> He runs pell-mell through the battlefield, leaps the whole ass moat, stabs his short swords into the into the wall of the fortress, and climbs his way up by stabbing the wall. Needs to get that, that aggression on inanimate objects. <laughs> and animate objects, as we will see. But at around the same time he's doing this, there's a roll of thunder, except it's not thunder. It's a bunch of Vikings carrying longboats on their shoulders, charging across the battlefield towards the lake. They weren't going to ride down in the river. They carried their boats over the mountains, and they're getting in this way. Oh, shut's a shock. Such inventive. So innovative. <laughs> it's hilarious it's it's lines of dudes but but terrifying just imagine that's, yeah i i don't know how many of you have been in meetings with ceos but that 100 percent screams of like uh look no we need to innovate we need to like turn the whole world on its head you know how boats normally carry you into battle what if you carried boats into battle boom Viking <laughs> CEOs, get me this. I need this now. <laughs> That's part of the 1980s Americana version of this story. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, one of the fun things is there. There's an element of mytho history to this, and um, one of the things that made uh, Vikings so effective was the fact that their longboats 
were very, very shallow, and it allowed them to carry them over land over short distances. So this was a thing that had been done, like in reality land. It was also sort of fun myths of dragons coming from the like the dragon head prow of the Viking longboat peeking through the trees as it's getting carried. The entire uh, back of the uh, fortress is completely undefended because how do you get... Because like, that's the other thing. It's like, it's not necessarily that the Vikings weren't crazy enough to sail their longboat through rapids it's that the rapids were going in the wrong direction so like Mm -hmm. theoretically you shouldn't have been able to get a boat into that lake without it coming from the fortress but uh not anymore (laughs) yeah because the vikings run right up to the shoreline yeet their boats into the water and sail around to the back and all of the guards in the fortress are like what do we do and the uh, very level-headed commander uh starts dividing his forces and that's the point when uh thorfinn is able to uh scale the wall with his anime powers yeah, when Thorfinn infiltrates in a way that would seriously damage these blades. Like, come on. You say these are a memento from your dead father. You're not treating them very well. <laughs> Stabbing them into a into a wooden wall as climbing implements. Yeah, it's also not like uh, Vinland Saga doesn't treat weapons as breakable things. Yeah, I was going to say, that becomes a plot point later. This is very, very much a the neck of Gwen Stacy kind of moment where physics exists when it needs to for the plot. (laughs) But, uh... Askeladd and the boys sail around to the backside of the fortress and they are, they are met by a uh, crossbow battalion who are doing some work. These crossbows are going through shields and and helmets and brains inside those helmets all in the same shot. I like how Askad in this scene um he notices the crossbow bolt got fired and blocks it with a dagger as the guy behind him gets shot in the head and dies. Yeah. Yeah, some some of the characters have intermittent anime powers because like Thorfinn's leap was superhuman. His, his The speed he was moving uh, relative to other people running, him climbing the wall. He's going to he's going to have some uh, very like uh, Assassin's Creed moments on the wall in a bit. Can, um, can you guys all get a hold of Jacob here? Not believing Viking superpowers are a real thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> look, we get a we get a look at Thorfinn's dad later on. And that man <laughs> is that man is categorically built different. So. <laughs> Speaking of Viking superpowers, they do a good job of picking out the protagonists because in a lot of cases, when you have these big battle scenes, there are people who like an arrow hits them and it looks like it really would uncensored. It just shows you exactly how it would look. And then there are these other people who seem to have specifically Charles Atlas superpowers. They've been forged by the fields of battle. (laughs) They know what to expect, so they're not just going to get ganked by a stray arrow. They can only be killed by a worthy opponent. In all fairness, they are fighting farmhands who (laughs) put on some armor in almost every situation they're in. So it's that same thing you always get with medieval battles. It's like, why were there Charles Atlas supermen in this? It's just like... Because the majority of soldiers were never taught how to fight. Well, okay. <laughs> see, see the thing. The thing about that though is, arrows fly a, right on the razor's edge of faster than the eye can see. And these are crossbow bolts. It's it's very much we're we're stretching what's possible for the sake of cool action scenes. It's just there's a noticeable dissonance between when they're doing like real and gritty battle scenes, and then someone's plucking arrows out of midair. 
But the part of Matt's take that comes super into play is the plumed commander is very confident that his crossbowman will be able to uh, keep the Viking at bay for a while. Right up until a boy climbs over a wall, decapitates one of his men, and then goes on a killing spree straight for him and lops his head off too. Because, like Matt said, these are farmhands with who are given an ar- armor and a sword and told to hit the guy in front of them until they died. Thorfinn is a killer of men. <laughs> Unfortunately, the commander's head falls off the wall and into the water. At which point Thorfinn goes, ash, and Swan dives into the moat. As is traditional movie logic, you have to shoot the water where the character just went away. <laughs> mm-hmm. The crossbow bolts, so those would actually probably be better for trying to actually hit him. Mm. As opposed to, you know... The thing is, the bigger the projectile is, the worse it does in water. Forever ago, the Mythbusters tested that, and larger caliber weapons had a tendency of breaking up when they hit the water. So I don't know if arrows would be better. Well, I mean, the smaller caliber also just shattered when they hit the water was the problem, like... Well, yeah. no, the, the like, 9mm bullets actually penetrated pretty far underwater. Everyone go watch that episode of Mythbusters, because I don't remember it that well. After you're done listening to this episode of the Over Manga Cast. The thing is, I actually don't know how well arrows would do in water, just because they're, sh- like, they're so differently shaped than bullets. Look, Plus my... the amount of energy behind them is totally Jacob, different. Jacob, my, my entire frame of reference is I know in D&D, crossbows and arrows do not take penalties to being fired underwater. <laughs> so, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly roll. logical. Roll with disadvantage. Meanwhile, Askeladd and the crew, <laughs> realizing that the crossbow uh, barrage is over, like, all right, let's go to shore then. <laughs> Nobody's yeah. here to stop us. Yeah, that was the other thing. There was a noticeable difference in the way that the defending army fought after their commander was uh, killed, which was a nice touch. I've been on the harsh side of... I've been on the harsh side of of uh, some of the stuff with Vinland Saga, but that was a that was a nice touch that like the defenders like they didn't know what to do at that point. That because again, they're all farmhands; they have no idea what they're doing. The one person who did is now dead. And uh, we have more examples of why, uh, as one of my friends described him, Askeladd is about eighty percent testicles by volume. <laughs> <laughs> because this man walks onto the scene with uh, telling his boys to kill them all. Uh, he's got his right and left hand man behind him. Uh, the left hand man gets shot in the head by a crossbowman and fucking dies. <laughs> and he just and Asquad just goes hatchet, gets a hatchet put in his hand, throws it and headshots the guy that just killed his man with the hatchet. <laughs> mm-hmm. At which point the right hand man goes, good shot, boss. <laughs> I, I believe that guy's name is Bjorn. He will prove very important later. No, knowing what I know about Askeladd, I can only assume he keeps a handful of people on his team to die dramatically so that he can avenge them. <laughs> like, he Honestly, doesn't train them or anything. He just keeps them as meat shields. Honestly, I could believe that in universe. Forget about that mm-hmm. from a narrative perspective. I believe he'd do that in universe. Well, because because like traditional medieval warfare, there is actually like motivation to not kill the enemy general in a lot of situations because you don't want extremely well armed roving bandits when the commander dies. It's a lot easier to get people to surrender when you have their leader telling them to surrender. Like, yeah. 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 So the Viking go to work and uh, the Frankish army manages to break through the fortress. General Zifrog 
is like, hmm, yes, we will kill the Normani and take all the treasure for ourselves. We're going to kill the heathens. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> kill the heathens. Yeah. You got something yeah. to spare. Oh, okay. Oh. I, th I thought you had something disparaging <laughs> to say about Protestants. Yes. I mean, always, but in this specific <laughs> instance. Yes. Killing the Protestant whores. That in this case is not applicable because they are simply pagans. Mm. Or oh, I am not familiar. What? Oh, you're right. They're French. They wouldn't be Protestants. Yes. Uh -huh. oh, actually, 1,000. They're probably still Holy Roman Empire. Yeah. Well, they are. That's why they're Frankish. We're dealing with Frankish tribes right now. They're not. Yeah. Look at you people knowing European history. <laughs> yeah, I paid attention in European history. Excuse me, I'm from America. I know American history. <laughs> the superior Yeah, that's history. why they had to teach it to us twice. <laughs> I, I learned it once. I, I don't know what happened with your school system. One of the, like, critical plot drivers is the St. Bryce's Day Massacre. <laughs> Like there is an element of mytho history associated with this. Basically, Vinland Saga has two modes. It has anime mode where people can catch arrows out of midair and it has like historical fiction. I, Jacob, mode. Jacob, that's that's historical fiction, though. Like that's the genre. No, I know. It's just yeah. it, 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 it. The disparity between the historical fiction and the and the anime characters is really noticeable in this, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I, to me, it took it took me personally out of the moment, but I could totally see how that would actually enhance it for some people. If you want if you want some um, uh, emotional dissonance, uh, we should read Kingdom because that's uh, historical fiction, but oh, it's uh, three kingdoms of China. Oh, the uh, romance of the three yeah. kingdoms. So it's yeah. it's it's from the point of view of a soldier working his way up through like wushu. Well, I guess not wushu because those people have magic, but like that scale of like people cutting off heads. Matt's been trying to get me to read Kingdom or at least I, check out Kingdom for a while now. I, I think everyone should read one of the top 10 selling manga in Japan that for some reason no American company, no uh, Western company thinks is relevant to license. We'll put it on the reading list, but getting back to the one we're talking about. If you if you want us to check out Kingdom, uh, contact us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Yep. Do we have an Instagram? <laughs> yeah, we do. Yes. Oh. Excellent. We do. So check us out at, at OverMangaCast. Over yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Vikings killed everybody. The door finally gets battered down. A lot of the soldiers are wondering why no one's shooting at them anymore. The door uh, crumbles down and there's just a mass of bodies everywhere. A carpet of corpses. People are walking through going, Mon dieu, there's no money. Should let them leave, right? No, what, are you crazy? No, they're so dangerous. We have to kill them after we get my treasure. Uh, General? Yeah? The, the treasury is empty. What? You've been had, ha ha! <laughs> Which is basically what Ascalad says as he's wearing all the finery from the treasury. Did you seriously expect any different though? I mean, you constantly <laughs> talk down to these heathens. I'm just like, I don't know if we should trust them. You know, they're basically not even human. Like literally, I'm just using them. Did you not expect to be used back? No, because he didn't, th he didn't think they were smart enough. You don't have to be smart to be used like that though. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I really love the like full page image of Ascalon wearing all the jewels and the crown. 
and he's just on his Viking ship. I'm just saying, him. you can't you can't stop that drip. <laughs> yep, and he's just on his ship, like got like the what are you gonna do pose as uh, General the Frog, just like what are they doing? And he's just Keep like in mind that they do not speak the same language, but I think as what is its name? Askelad? He does speak some Frankish, I think. He, like, as he's getting yelled at, he's like, could you repeat that? My Frankish is pretty rusty. He probably never learned it. Yeah, and um, his comment is, um, see, we split it half and half. We get the treasure, you get the fortress. Bye! Uh-huh. He, he credits you with this victory. He's like, you guys won. An equitable yep. exchange. This is the way. <laughs> We also see that, indeed, as mentioned previously, uh, they are uh, crazy enough to ride uh, longboats through rapids because, again, it wasn't their uh, intestinal fortitude that was in question doing that. It was the direction of the river. That's their escape route because um, General Zifrog is is trying to set up his men around the shores of the lake to catch them when they try to leave. And they fail miserably as the, <laughs> as the Vikings sail away. And it's like, hey, whatever happened to Thorfinn? He probably died. Ah, that's a shame. And then, a, and then a severed head gets thrown out of the lake onto the ship. And Thorfinn crawls out soon afterwards like, there's the head of the commander. Now fight me, babe. I love how every time Thorfinn does something creepy, there's always one member of Askeladd's crew who's just like, hey, uh, we, we should kill that creepy ass kid, right? We should definitely <laughs> kill that creepy kid, right? And uh, Askeladd's just like, you don't understand. You can manipulate anyone by just knowing what it is they want. <laughs> I can I can perfectly keep him under my leash. It's like, yes, I, Askeladd, son of Olaf, will accept your duel later, because we're sailing right now. <laughs> yeah. After uh, we're done with this cool chase scene. <laughs> he almost literally Zaf, says that. Zaf, <laughs> if only Zaf was more competent, maybe. The Normani, the our raiding Vikings, return home with booty in hand. All that booty. So much booty. Well, the booty is when they get bring the booty back to. Yeah. <laughs> the booty for the booty. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> they come back to screaming hordes of fangirls <laughs> for for Oscalod specifically. <laughs> yeah, I, I like um, I like one of Oscalod's comments of the women here sure are shameless. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> there's another good one and this is just a background character makes this comment but it's just so uh Askeladd calls out to the women hey who wants a necklace and one of them yells back i want a ring yeah <laughs> i, I liked that that, that was the, clever there's a lot of really good like back background character like one-liners i love mm-hmm. it it's it's a real strength of this manga yes absolutely Everyone returns home. They're uh, distributing the loot. We get a look at a Danish town. Uncle is the one who is uh, the like chief of this village, and he's very concerned with money. He talks all about costs and expenses and profits. And Askeladd's just like, dude, did you see the amount of treasure we brought back? It's fine. Chill. At which point he does. Uh huh. He says, yes, you're right now. Slave, go get me my wine. Because uh, we, we didn't make this family uh, terrible enough. We needed to add this, too. If you were wondering if you were supposed to like these people. D- it distinctly not. Yeah, pretty much all the main characters we have are uh, all firmly against the Viking practice of, like, keeping slaves. 
Mm -hmm. uh, even even to an extent, Askeladd seems to not like slavery as a concept. He likes the fact he can sell people for money, but like he seems against it morally, which is weird given everything else about him. He says that everyone is a slave to something. Mm -hmm. He secretly mocks people who have slaves, though, because he's just like, you don't mm -hmm. understand. You think you're a master because you are beating someone. You're just a slave to something else. Exactly. I don't know if he finds so much of a moral dislike of it, but he find he finds it exceptionally ironic. Yeah, I think he's more mocking uncle than anything else. Askeladd also kind of strikes me as the person who would much prefer people blindly follow him out of loyalty. Out of loyalty, he, yeah. He loves that charisma role, like... Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, no, he'd rather he'd rather you want to follow him than you be forced to follow him because he paid for you and he'll beat you if you don't. Almost more so that, like, having a slave is beneath him because he can make you want to follow him. But, like, I don't think he has any particular problem with the institution of slavery. And that actually kind of goes into something interesting. There's very, very, very few not awful people in this entire manga. Oh, <laughs> Almost yeah. everyone is an asshole. We'll get to health, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the reason I didn't dislike it, but I it's the reason I think that I was so lukewarm on Vinland Saga overall, just because, like, there's nobody to get attached to, you know, um, Thorfinn, like, it seems like it's setting up that he's supposed to be like the nice one, I guess. But like we learned that he's kind of awful, too. What we're going to get into fairly soon is you're you're supposed to like Thor's, who is Thorfinn's father. And yes, that will get confusing. To <laughs> oh, I mean, that's because his name is son of Thor. Yeah. yeah, it's Thorfinn. And so it's less you're attached to Thorfinn because you like him. You're attached to him because he is the one who's going to avenge the guy you like. Mm, see, I, I have problems with Thor's as well as the issue. I mean, regardless, Jacob, it's very clear we're like, what we read is really the buildup to a character arc. It's the setup to something more. It's not to say that this is awful because it's not. It's just I was particularly lukewarm on it for these reasons. And I mean, I guess just to say briefly, the, the issue I have with Thor's is that he's he's almost a cartoonishly goody good. Like it's it's the extremity of it that like he's the one guy who knows that war is bad and has the modern sensibilities. And again, it like. I would argue that he's not the only guy who knows war is bad. Others just capitalize on it. He's the only one who's willing to actually do something about those feelings. Like other people express agreement with him, but he's the only one who does stuff who like takes a stand it, for it. Yeah. yeah. Who explicitly doesn't kill in combat and who tries to talk people down from conflict, that sort of thing. Everyone else is like, oh, I don't like it, but I'm not I'm not going to get involved. Well, there are a lot of people who do like it, but that's, uh, that's not the point of the story we're in right now, though. We're still on uh, everyone whoring and boozing when they get back to uh, <laughs> uh, I don't Denmark, Denmark. Yeah. I, oh, I, and we I got stuck on Dane and could not remember <laughs> what that was the possessive of. Um, <laughs> and uh, we also have uh, Thorfinn dueling Asklad mm -hmm, because uh, that was what he wanted as his prize. Mm -hmm. A uh, duel to avenge his father's death. An honorable duel, because mm -hmm. as is later revealed, he could easily, you know, take his revenge informally at any time. Easily? <laughs> nah. 
Well, see, that's the thing. He could just stab Askeladd in his sleep, and someone actually points that out to Askeladd. Askeladd then responds with, he would never do that because, and this is actually in the uh, everyone's a slave to someone, uh, to something speech. He says, he will only ever fight me honorably. And I know that about him, and that's why I'm not concerned about him killing me in my sleep. Because uh, as Thorfinn very loudly declares at the start of the duel, if you had actually fought fairly back then, my father would have destroyed you. You never would have defeated him if you weren't such a snake. It's not just that Thorfinn needs to avenge his father. He needs to do so in the uh, field that his father wanted it to be. He needs to win the way his dad would have. Mm -hmm. Kind of. We'll get there. Yeah. At least that's what Thorfinn believes. Yes, I'll I'll agree on that point. It becomes increasingly clear as we as we continue to read that uh, the the boy's blind by anger, and he truly doesn't understand what his father would have wanted. But that's discussion for later on. What we do get is uh, Osclod's trying to be you know Mr. Cocksure over here, but Thorfinn is too busy going at him with a flurry of attacks that he's uh, dodging and parrying. And can we talk about how um, this manga like? panels um action scenes because i love it it's so good dude it's like it's like movie storyboards is like the level mm. of like detail you, you'll get like different angles on character we've been reading a lot of shonens and like nothing wrong with that i understand you got to keep things going but sometimes you definitely won't get like the level of like let's turn the camera mm -hmm. that yeah. this thing just does constantly and i love it one of my favorite things that this manga does is its use of onomatopoeia Mm -hmm. the sound effect of things happening in battle because yeah they're the panels of a comic but you can actually follow the progression of time with the onomatopoeia like there is a moment later on where a combatant leaps backwards and flips over a uh over an obstacle in his way and it just shows him at the end of this maneuver but you can see the onomatopoeia progression of flip tap of foot thunk of landing mm -hmm. that's also really important for the way that thorfinn fights because his his thing is very much a, like a rapid flurry of blows with his two short swords they call them short swords they're daggers like yeah <laughs> they're real short swords he's not an adult either and they are short swords to his like to being a teenager Mm. I was trying to remember how actually old he is, but I couldn't do the math quick enough. <laughs> I don't know if it's ever explicitly said. I want to say 14 because he looks about that height compared to like adult men. Other yeah, yeah, other characters. Yeah, that that's sort of where I was thinking it was. He relies on being very quick and very uh, brutal in his attacks to try to overwhelm his opponent. And Askeladd's like, yeah, I could probably defend against this forever, but it's going to be very tiring, and there's the uh, the entire possibility that he'll get through to me. So I think it's time to piss him off and make him uh, not so uh, focused in his fighting. Uh, hey, kid, uh, what was your dad's name again? Tom? Torm? I've killed so many people, I don't even remember which one was your dad. This is actually a very clever way of uh, delivering exposition to the audience, because we don't know a lot about any of these characters at this point. Actually, at this point, we know functionally nothing about Thorfinn at all. Like, we just know that he's very motivated to get this honor duel, and I... Th that's And that's about it. 
and his father is dead. So you have Askeladd saying, I don't even remember. I've killed so many people. What was your father's name again? And for a moment, I was wondering, it's like, does he legitimately not even know who this kid is avenging and just took him on for, you know, some giggles? But um, no, he remembers. It was a uh, deliberate way of uh, getting under Thorfinn's skin. It drip feeds information to the audience diegetically in a way that feels natural for the characters to talk about. Because there's Mm -hmm. that classic issue with exposition. Why would two people who already both know the story talk to each other about the past of the story? Like, that's always the problem that you have when you when you need to deal with exposition. But it's like we already know that uh, Askeladd is a creative thinker and we know he's slimy. And here we see those two things coming together into him being uh, a manipulative, you know, snake in a fight. Mm -hmm. And so he's using the information he already has in order to both reveal it to the audience and to win this battle. And that's the thing about Asklad. He is a talented warrior. He's a great fighter. He headshot a guy with a hatchet from like 90 feet away. (laughs) Yeah. He he just has no interest in proving it. Like, he'd rather just win. He has no compunctions about cheating whatsoever. A fair fight is a fight an idiot takes. It, he doesn't explicitly say that, but I believe that he would. You know, his gambit works. Thorfinn enters a blood rage and uh, his attacks lose all coordination, which allows Asklad to knock him down, grab his arm and dislocate his shoulder and say, yeah, kid, you got a lot to learn. All right, Bjorn, pop his shoulder back in. Let's go get some booze. It's that level of casualness with which he completely dismantles this person who is fighting with everything he has for something he truly cares about that makes you understand the gap between these two and how far Thorfinn has to go if he wants to truly get this blood vengeance. And it's like the gap isn't even necessarily Thorfinn needs to be like stronger physically because he's probably already there. He needs to not fall for like his strings being pulled. Exactly. In other words, he needs to. Right now, he's just raw energy and raw strength. And he needs to have a combination of, you know, I don't want to say he needs to just grow up and be mature, but maybe he needs to. Yeah. He needs to stop just sitting there with his headphones in, listen to Evan Effets and on loop. (laughs) That's the 1980s uh, Thorfinn with his Walkman going to the mall. Yeah, yeah, that's the other that's the other version of the story. I really want that story to exist now. Because like Askeladd could be like a Coke dealer that he's like run in with. Oh my god, you're right. Okay, this is a meme. I actually want this now. Fan fiction writers out there, make it happen. Make it happen. Make Jacob happy. Like I just want to see Askeladd in like a like nice like suit. Like a suit, yeah. Like, he'd pull it off. Like, that's the other thing about Askeladd is that, uh, he, like, you know, he's slimy. He's a snake. He's, um, you know, he's evilly pulls people's strings. He's charismatic. Like, he's that kind of villain. Sort of like a, a, a good Far Cry villain in a lot of ways. I don't think he's solidly a villain, though. Like, I wouldn't say he goes as far as an antihero, but I just think... No, he's at the very least the antagonist of the story. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, he wins the duel. Uh, <laughs> as is tradition, uh, Thorfinn goes to the top of the ship in the snow and keeps watch forever because he wants to sulk. Also because he probably doesn't want to join in the party with the people he hates. There's that too. That's fair. I mean, they do offer, I think, to switch shifts where he's like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to be sad. <laughs> okay, buddy. We're going to send a slave up with a basket of Hot Pockets. I don't, I don't want to join the party. Falling inside the black just started. <laughs> you don't understand. This song gets me, unlike you, John. <laughs> <laughs> Too invested in this joke now, man. <laughs> joke too like it doesn't deserve this time <laughs> it really doesn't so oh. back to what actually happened well what i mean out of this whole situation is they're not objectively mistreating him like they legitimately like switch duties with him they feed him and everything he's a full <laughs> member of the crew he is not a slave yeah, which is explicitly thing. stated in the scene we're talking about like yeah. yeah yeah he's treated no differently than any other member of the crew and that's sort of the important element to it like he's choosing to isolate himself yeah because he's a grump <laughs> he is an angsty teenager and he I'm is for it you know I mean, what? He has, same. He's justified in being angsty, but I'm here for it. Same. Yeah. 100% same. I really like this scene because it highlights the uh, gap in understanding that Thorfinn had about his father. Because while he's keeping watch out there on the boats, he falls asleep and dreams of his father coming to talk to him. And, you know, his father kind of playfully berates him for uh, moping and says, you're still going for vengeance, huh? Well, I guess you are my son. And like, this is the first time we've seen Thor's on panel. And so we, we would think that this is what this character is like. But as we find in the next section, this is heavily tainted by the Thorfinn's own bias. Well, mm -hmm. there's actually another layer to it, because in all honesty, I don't think that that's even necessarily mischaracterizing Thor's. I think he'd say something like that. The thing that Thor yeah, doesn't the... understand is that the meaning behind those words and exactly. why Thor's is is ribbing him over this. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get at. Thank you, Jacob. What you were saying about like the, the dissonance and the way that it's tainted, I think is... Uh, that sounds like a conversation like he's 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 accurately remembering the wrong parts of the way his father was before, you know, the dream can go much further. Uh, Thorfinn is awakened and almost cuts the head off the poor slave girl who was just ordered to come out here and bring him some dinner. Well, she's just not. I don't know if this was said before. She's not just any old slave girl. Like part of the reason why she's having such a difficult time adjusting is because she was a lady. Yeah, we we have we actually haven't mentioned that. So uh, thank you for bringing that up. But yeah, she was um, she's a former noblewoman. Uh, her kingdom just lost. Yeah, which was common during those days. They just mm -hmm. lost and everyone who was then, you know, apprehended was then sold on the slave market. You can kind of see it when she like ignores at first blush what uh her master tells her to do with bringing the wine yeah he uh, just mentions it in passing and she doesn't it, she doesn't do like, it she, she's not ignoring it's just it doesn't register of like oh that means me 
Yeah. Yeah. It's both that and like the kind of thing of, oh, other people are talking. I haven't been specifically addressed. So whatever they're saying is just sliding right off of me. And uh, we we have another conversation here about the nature of violence. Uh, Can you tell this is a theme (laughs) (laughs) where uh, she asks if Thorfinn is also a slave? And he says, no, I'm a warrior. Uh, I don't understand the way you slaves think. Why don't you just kill your master and run away? She's like, oh, I, that's terrible. I could never kill someone. And besides, where would I run? Yeah, that, that actually gets doubly callous the more, like, when we, when we read a bit further. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's also the fact that it becomes apparent when he says this, that Thorfinn is also, is not aware that she is a woman. Yeah. Because he would probably then reason of, like, that's why he's not, that's why she doesn't, comprehend you know just running away into nothing mm-hmm. i'm sure you know her entire life has been decorum and like rules and something like that her entire life i don't think thorfinn has the introspection to notice that in someone else i think he's fully absorbed in himself that he doesn't really see other people well because because what he's saying to her is advice he would give himself yep. because if his solution if the problem he had was so easy as just kill the person and run away he would do that in a heartbeat. His problem's more complicated than that. So when she asks him anything, he lashes out at her like, why don't you've got it so easy. You've just got to kill a person and run. I don't have that luxury. He, he's lashing out at people and not really listening to their stories. Well, yeah, but I mean, I also that also kind of goes in hand with the fact that he doesn't care but it also he's not even at any point been made aware that this slave is not just a regular person who is unlucky. This was a person of privilege who literally doesn't probably doesn't know how the rest of the world operates, quite yep. honestly. In, uh, in all fairness, I don't think the rest of the world operates on kill the person who you are <laughs> yeah. upset with and run away. Um, yeah. No, I mean, like, to where would she go? How would she integrate in society? Like, her society is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wiped off the map. And like having no place to go is also another running theme in this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we cut from here to uh, where we will be for the rest of our reading, a flashback to Thorfinn's childhood. Yeah, the um, the thing that instigates this flashback is um, the uh, slave girl who's obviously going to be an important character, but yeah. uh, disappears for the rest of our reading. Because again, this is very much set I up. I have my theories. She wistfully... Uh, you know, speaks aloud that I wish there was somewhere that you could go that's away from war and slavers. And Thorfinn, brooding, angsty teenager in his Hot Topic t-shirt, uh, mm-hmm. uh, says, uh, there is Vinland Q flashback. <laughs> I heard there's a real cool town two, uh, two towns over called Vinlandsburg. They got a real cool club scene and everyone is emo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It writes itself. They have a goth bar. Someone needs to stop us. (laughs) I am seven more bits away from contacting some of my artist friends. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see if we get through all those bits in the rest of this episode. Stay tuned to find out. (laughs) And and keep your eye open for the Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well maybe <laughs> we'd have to we'd have to file off some serial numbers <laughs> <laughs> sure, it'll be fine but um 
yeah, we cut to a much younger Thorfinn uh, sitting at the feet of the great Leif Erikson. <laughs> telling the tale of the time he sailed across the sea and found Vinland. I love this. This is actually a probably relatively accurate representation of the real Leif Erikson. Because, like, he's one of those historical figures that always gets, like, exalted as, like, a god amongst men and was probably just a dude. Yeah. Not an insubstantial dude, but probably just a dude. Probably just yeah. a dude who didn't want to go raiding in the very dangerous, <laughs> like, England and was like, what if I go off this way? What if I go off this way? Oh, hey, Canada. I'm going to call if, it Finland. What if I go off this way and discover cheese you can wear as a hat and then uh, form a mediocre football team? OK, he he landed in Canada, <laughs> not Wisconsin, but <laughs> he, he gets there eventually. He does get there eventually. You are right. Now, Leaf is wearing a Native American uh, headdress and smoking out of a wood and smoking out of a pipe. And he says these are gifts from the people of that land whose chief he became good friends with. And all of the all of the young kids are suitably impressed until one little naysayer says, but the world's flat. Wouldn't you have been eaten by Jormungand before you go there anyway? At which point they immediately stop believing all of his stories. And he's very he's very perturbed about this. <laughs> he He's very sulky. Uh, he, he is uh, described in universe as being uh, childishly annoyed at how <laughs> the kids aren't believing his tales. <laughs> I love how he he asks Thor's Thorfinn's dad to um, please back up my story. The children are making fun of me, to which Thor's does not. <laughs> he's like leaf come on man i wasn't there either <laughs> they're little kids yeah like he, it's not even like he denies it or anything because like leaf erickson didn't do it to canada but um uh it's just like come on they're kids don't, don't be immature and that's yep. all that's all thor's uh thor's gives them this is where we are introduced to uh to Thorfinn's family, including the great Thors, a very, very large boy. Seriously, this man's is massive. The rest of the kids disperse to go back to their homes, uh, making their way through the blizzard. Uh, Leif Erikson hangs around for a little while longer, creeps on Thorfinn's sister. <laughs> well, he doesn't necessarily creep. I, I, don't, I don't know. Which apparently everyone does. It's just a village pastime. It's, it's, not, it's not so much creep as like, compliments her appearance and makes a joke about spending time with him that i i don't think was ever supposed to be treated seriously no yeah that's a comedy beat the the main problem of this village i think is that she appears to be the only um woman of the only woman she's not the only young woman she is the most attractive old younger like younger woman and she's thor's daughter she is yeah. one of two women which... that we see one of two young women that we see in, in the bonus yes. panels, uh, she, in character her, to herself, does comment, am I the only attractive woman in this village? Ilva is her name. She is very concerned about the family finances, and that's like her defining characteristic. <laughs> yeah, she's like the responsible one. Mm -hmm. She's very concerned with being rich. We have her and we have uh, Thoris, who we previously talked about, and we have uh, the mother of the family, Helga, who doesn't honestly do a lot though she does have uh, a great uh, a great moment a little later on but uh that doesn't come up for a bit in our reading almost all of this is introducing you to the inciting incident and why uh thorfinn 
was was where like you know was there to uh you know fight this honor duel in the first place average everyday life for a little bit uh it's it is all still the same night the same blizzard is blowing uh they're they're talking about the various hardships of living up here in iceland and whatnot uh and this is intercut with panels of a mostly naked man in chains um running through the blizzard looking very distressed uh cut to uh the next morning where uh the villagers are uh shoveling their way out of the blizzard you know knocking snow off their houses uh shoveling their way through the lanes and Ilva's like, man, this sucks. Thorfinn isn't even here to shovel. Can't we like get a slave or something to help us with that? To help us with this uh, busy work? And Thor's is like, no, Ilva, we don't participate in atrocities against humanity. But Dad, <laughs> it'd be so efficient. It'd be convenient for me. In all fairness to them, this is a grown man and a teenage daughter shoveling what appears to be three feet of snow yeah. off of the entirety of their roof, like. They definitely need help. Yeah, they yeah, they do. But when that help is human chattel. Yeah. And this is another case where I didn't dislike Vinland Saga. I was lukewarm on it. And I want to make sure that it's understood that, like, I'm not disparaging this. Ilva is an awful person. And this is one of the examples of those where, like, she's actually really charming as a character. I liked her as a character, but as a person, she was awful or she's an awful person jacob does it help recontextualize her if you imagine her on a cell phone and <laughs> complaining about not getting daddy's credit card <laughs> okay in the 80s big hoop earrings big hair oh my god jacket mm -hmm. oh she's totally gotta have like the punk jean jacket but with the mm. iron-on patches that make her totally not punk mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> yes she is that girl which actually she is but in she is, but in the time period of everything else. Yeah, but in 1000 AD. Look, I'm just saying dinosaurs are just like us. Anyway, Ilva falls off the roof. She's fine, but uh, this tumble does make her find the this man buried in the snow. What appears to be three feet of snow. Yeah, this man's is really screwed up. It's the poor boy in chains that we saw from the previous evening. Uh, he's losing several limbs to frostbite. In all fairness, they say the limbs are rotting when they finally bring him in. So, uh, right. So the limbs aren't, he isn't losing them. The limbs are lost. Yeah, they're actively like rotting. Mm -hmm. I think they say not just frostbite. Because uh, Thor's, upon noticing this person, immediately has him brought into the house and puts like blankets all over him and is warming him up and mm -hmm. actually appears to start doing chest compressions. Um, yeah, that's look, a thing. I, 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 look, I don't know when uh, I don't know when that medical process was invented. Well, look, all I know about Thor is, is he is also a genius at medicine because he heals some kid's broken arm later. <laughs> he, he sets the kid's broken arm. He heals his broken arm because he is Jesus. <laughs> I mean, knowing what we learn later about his background, that might not be too far fetched. You know, being a warrior, you would have to learn how to do basic med stuff. You would have to learn how to do basic medicine that wasn't standard practice until like 500 years later. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad you met that because I thought you were talking about it's not that far-fetched that he's Jesus. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I misunderstood this, but I'm willing to hear this theory. 
I'm also saying like maybe some one of our listeners know, but I feel like setting bones wasn't too far in the future. Like I feel like that's a pretty I'd I'd have you know if you tried doing that in Salem, they'd burn you as a witch. <laughs> Good thing we're not in Salem, because we hate those Brits. Massachusetts? Yeah. I'm I'm talking about like British settlers, Salem. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Pilgrims. All that. But that's 600 years removed from where we are right now. And this man's is dying. Uh, meanwhile, Thorfinn is hanging out with uh, Leif Erikson as they're watching all the boats be, you know, tarred up and repaired and getting ready for spring and going out and doing some Viking. Thorfinn is like, so how do, how do we end up in Iceland anyway? Why are we here? It's so cold and miserable anyway. And, er and Leif's like, uh, well, there was this big badass war leader over in Norway who uh, was conquering basically every tribe and village he came across. And some of us bent the knee and a lot of us were like, we don't want any of this. So we left and we came here to Iceland far enough away that he couldn't come get us. Thorfinn's like, you're telling me my ancestors were cowards who ran away? That's bullshit. I'm going to go. I'm going to go find my dad and t make him say you're wrong. My ancestors wouldn't be cowards. They would have stood up and fought and died like idiots. <laughs> Direct quote. Well, the like idiots part was not uh, was not yeah, the like idiots part is the only part that wasn't in uh, Thorfinn's little speech. But otherwise, yes, because, again, he has a child's understanding of how heroism works and of how violence works. He yep. is like six uh -huh. or eight or I think they actually say how old he is in this flashback. I'm just forgetting. Yeah, either way, he's too little to really understand these things. He manages to, you know, show up in time to help with the poor frostbit and escaped slave. And oh boy, uh oh, the slave owner has showed up in town looking for his lost property. Let's talk about Halfdan. I hate Halfdan. Okay, moving on. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm wondering if you were ever supposed to like this clear antagonist. Like, what? <laughs> what are you looking for here? <laughs> I'm saying that the manga did a good job of making yeah. me hate the hateable antagonist. Yeah, it happens within a second of um, he gets there. He says, hey, give me my slave back. And then uh, someone in the crowd says, hey, I've always hated your tribe on the other side of the um, mountain. mountain. At, and then it's them. It, it is literally a group of people saying, well, I cut off your you cut off my arm. Well, that's because you cut off my brother's leg. And it's clearly like a Hatfields and McCoy like. They kept fighting forever and were just going to kill each other until they had a thing, which we get told is a Viking meeting, which is um, where they finally okay. just said, guys, guys. It's kind of like saying like shindig or something. We did the shindig. <laughs> I think it has an official meeting, but OK. Uh, I mean, it does. It's defined, but I'm just saying it's comparable yeah. to that. Term. Yeah, yeah. And but, the, um, the, the shindig is what it's called in the 1980s uh, Americana version. All the parents got together for a PTA meeting. They're like, guys, come <laughs> on. We got to stop these high school pranks. You burned our football field. <laughs> We're going to have to cancel prom. Odin, save us. <laughs> That's the football team. The Odins. <laughs> Come on, it would be the Vikings. It would you know be the Vikings. Vikings. Vikings, you're right. Um, but yeah, back to back to the actual story. There's actually a pretty there's a pretty good moment where it's Leaf who's actually trying to mediate this because he's technically a third party. He's mm. he's a he's a roving trader. He's not part of either uh, tribe. 
And um, he's, he's like, like, seriously, somebody go get Thor's. He's really good at calming these situations, please. Yeah, he says, somebody go get Thor's. I'll take care of it in the meantime. Hey, guys, this was legally settled, remember? And uh, the guy who lost an arm is like, ah, screw the law. I'm going to fight you anyway. At which point um, he gets. How oh, uh, dare you insult the love of my life, <laughs> the law. Judge Dredd over here. True lawful neutral. You know, yeah, I would categorize lawful neutral because um, when he goes on about slavery, his entire thing, why he likes it so much is because he thinks humanity's natural state is obeying orders. A, a man without a chain is a savage beast. Only by being chained can a man truly become human. So he's messed up in the head. <laughs> He views yes. himself on top of the pile, but still strongly believes in the order. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's true, I want to know what his chain is. That's a good conversation uh, starter. Uh, be, being the leader, uh, yeah. the weight of responsibility. Yeah, that's what he would claim, I should say. Speculative. He doesn't say that. Good icebreaker, guys. Good first date question. Terrible <laughs> first date question. <laughs> Well, actually, no, really good first date question. How do you feel about slavery? If it's anything other than the obvious answer, you end that. I, mean, I was just going into like if you what your kink is, but I mean, whatever. Actually, you know, you know, like, it's also good to verify kinks. How do you feel about slavery in a sexual way? Obviously, because we're all against the other way. <laughs> So remember, so remember, remember, we don't kink shame here on the Overmanga cast. <laughs> we try not to. <laughs> and and yet again, I am so happy about me being a hermit. The more I learn about the outside world, the the worse it gets. <laughs> anyway, Halfdan rips a man's face off with an iron chain because the metaphor wasn't loud enough. <laughs> it's a pretty brutal scene, too, because he wraps the chain around his head and then the force of him pulling it back rips his hair out and snaps his neck. This is the one instance where I think the the action lines of the panel misled me a little bit. I thought that like he did this with so much anime force that he sent this guy's head spinning several times around. <laughs> mm -hmm. He snapped his neck. Yeah, he yeah, he just snapped his neck. <laughs> that was me misreading the panel. Uh, and Halfdan's like, all right, enough showboating. Take me to where my slave is. I need my property back. Did they ever just resolve the casual murder he seemed to do? Well, here's the thing. That was his own. That was a guy from his own ship. He did that to. Oh, OK. I that makes. Yeah, sense. it was the guy who had lost the arm because he was the one who said, screw the law. I'm going. I, to... I, I misunderstood who was on whose side then. OK, so he, he can do whatever he wants then. Yeah. And um, for some reason, he goes directly to Thor's house and uh, kicks in the door. <laughs> I think the implication is he's been searching around the four houses they have or whatever. Like, it's it's not yeah. a big village. The implication is that he's maybe done this to other houses, but it's also the village leader. And he goes in saying, hey, something that I own is in this village somewhere. Help me find it. He doesn't realize that uh, his slave is sitting right. You're laying right there under the blankets. And I, I love the double the double duty. Um, Thor's uh, daughter pulls, trying to be like, this isn't this isn't who you're looking for. He's our relative from out of town. 
he got caught in the blizzard last night. Yeah, don't go tell Halfdan about this. And then Halfdan shows up and she's like, oh, Halfdan, yeah, no, 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 no. We're not stealing your slave or anything. We're we're just nursing we're him back to health. So he said, prime, he, he's primed to be returned to you. You know what? Right, Dad? You're going to give him back without a fuss, right? And then uh, Thor's absolute giga chad turns to Halfdan and says, how much did you pay for this man? I paid it with two sheep. I'll give you four. Hmm. I could get more value if I just took him again. Eight sheep. He knows he's not getting more value from him if he get, takes mm -hmm. him back. He's saying, no, I'd, I'd rather have the satisfaction of beating him to death. In front of the other slaves so nobody else gets the idea, he also mm -hmm. mentions. He, he needs him as yeah. a, as a uh, symbol. Yep. So... So he and then finally Thor just goes, or no, he he offers four sheep and then he's just like, what if you doubled it? And Thor's is like, right. pay it without a hesitation. Yeah, all right, eight sheep, let's go. And Halfdan's like, that deal is literally too good to pass up. All right, I'll go select the eight sheep from your pen. Bye. Have fun with this half dead slave. Meanwhile, his daughter is having a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> you did what? You paid eight sheep for a man who's about to die? I know I said I wanted a slave, but what who can actually do something? This this moment for, in particular really stuck out to me just because it shows the fact that he wanted to give this man the dignity of dying as a free man, quote unquote, mm -hmm. as opposed to just going back to be tortured more if he even got back at all, because realistically, this guy probably would have died on the way back to mm. the village. The escaped slave is very delirious as he is near death. And the only thing he manages to say is, I don't want to go back I, under no. Uh, the last thing I want to do is go back to that place. And so Thor's honors that wish. And then the next thing the man says is uh, he, he's having a, a dying vision of his family saying, I thought that you had all been taken as well. And, you know, the tragic implication is that they were, but it's like, what's this beautiful place? Where are we? And Thor says, it's a place where there's no war or slavery. It's Vinland. Ah, Vinland. I'm glad that we're all here. And the slave dies to be buried under the Northern Lights. Very somber scene. Like, I, I I really appreciate the paneling because it's just kind of like characters looking at each other and there's, then just... There's almost no dialogue, mm -hmm. except for except for Ilva whinging about the price that they paid for this guy. In all fairness, they did pay eight sheep for a dude who immediately died. One of the things that I took away from it, Ilva is sobbing over the grave but not for the man. And it really goes to show how different Thor's is from Ilva and like where people place grief at a loss is uh, pretty uh, eloquently uh, demonstrated in that moment. Oh, yeah. Huge highlighter right on that idea. Despite his daughter's wailing about this situation, Thorfinn has a... Not exactly satisfaction, but uh, a, a look of bittersweet acceptance on his face. Because he didn't believe Vinland existed and he believed that uh, all of Leaf's stories had to be lies, right? Mm. But um, his father just confirmed that, yes, there is a Vinland, which 
soft confirms basically everything else that leaf had said yeah and we've talked a lot about the paneling and it's superb seriously read this manga just to just to absorb the art uh in this entire flashback sequence thor's gets so many like full page spreads of him just standing in a whole bunch of negative space looking contemplative and i am super here for it <laughs> now that this uh very somber scene is over how about the saint bryce's day massacre <laughs> Speaking of somber scenes, once again, uh, the places where it's more history than mytho, they show exactly what that looked like. Yep. November 13th, 1002 AD, a Saturday, the day that the Danes would bathe themselves and therefore were not ready for combat. The English knew this. They invaded the Dane law on that day <laughs> on the orders of King Elthered the Unready. This doesn't come up in the manga. I just wanted to flex being smart. <laughs> Look, Sam, we know you can read Wikipedia, OK? You got to stop mischaracterizing what that means. <laughs> Shut up. I definitely didn't copy paste his name from Wikipedia because he's got <laughs> weird characters in it. But yeah, a uh, whole bunch of Danes in the Dane law get murdered over on the British Isles and uh, in the including the princess of Denmark. <laughs> and the king's like, going to go kick their ass for that. <laughs> And so he sends out the he sends out the banner call to get all his Vikings together to go uh, invade England. And how is this relevant at all to our small town village of farmers in Iceland just trying to live their lives? Well, as a normal average day is happening and, you know, Thorfinn and his friends are playing at war and Thorfinn always dies early on and has to lay on the cold snow. Uh, a warship pulls in several, actually, with very, very scary looking men, all in uh, helmets that conceal their faces and big cloaks. Uh, it, it creates a very uniform uh, line of dudes wielding halberds and looking exceptionally menacing. And these are the Joms Viking, the warriors of Jom. Yes, which may or may not have actually existed, according to historical accounts. They're legendary. Mm hmm. A combination of the four of us being nerds and also they give some historical context. The Orms Vikings were uh, mentioned in a lot of at the time uh, historical documentation, but also it wasn't particularly well kept records at the time either. So they may have existed or they may have been a bunch of different people. Or they may have all been one individual person who was super buff. We don't know. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. <laughs> There's no way to tell. But their leader steps out onto the dock and says, we're looking for Thor's the troll. Where is he? Well, we know someone who has uh, one of those three words in his name. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Old man McGillicuddy? <laughs> yep. How'd you know? I just got to say, what a frickin' title. Thor's the troll. And they meant meant this in a, a positive light, I'm assuming, and not the modern version of an internet troll. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> we aren't talking about internet trolls. We're talking about giant, unstoppable monsters that kill a thousand men before they fall. You know, people who actually are threatening compared to the internet trolls. <laughs> yes. It is interesting that the image that th that the troll conjures in the mind uh, back then was so terrifying and now is so sad and pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the nature of time. It kills us all eventually. Speak for yourself. I'm going to live forever. 
Yeah. But uh, Floki is the leader of the Jums Viking, and he goes to have a chat with uh, Thors, who did in a uh, model moment of absolute badassery walk onto the dock, tell all of the Jums Viking to stand down and say, all right, Floki, let's talk. And they listened to him, which really just increases the aura of power around this man a thousandfold that he can just walk up to this group of like elite looking warriors and say, all right, bitch, you listen to me now. Where's your leader? Let's get this over with. Floki, leader of the Jamas Viking and Thoris have a chat and Floki says, all right, so here's the deal. We know you faked your death. We know you're a deserter, but hey, lucky you. The English decided to be We're going to go kick their ass now, as they rightly deserve. And so uh, this is your chance to redeem yourself. You can come back and be a big war hero like you used to be back in the day. And uh, this is a real nice village you have here. Bunch of kids. Super peaceful. Be a real shame if anything happened to it. He doesn't even say that last part. He just says, this is a very peaceful village. I bet the children have never even seen war. And just looks at Thor's with the most shitting grin on his face. Well, and the other thing that's sort of interesting about this entire scene is that it doesn't actually start off that in, well it doesn't start off that antagonistic um from floki's perspective he's coming in like look we need you we have an excuse for why you've been missing this is a really good deal buddy come back we're all on the same side and like he thinks he's giving a really good deal He's coming in, into this conversation thinking he wouldn't need to threaten the innocence or anything. But when uh, Thor's, who is get off my land, the face the entire time says no to that <laughs> offer. That's when uh, Floki is like, uh, this, is, this sure is a peaceful town. I bet they've never even seen war battle. Yeah. And there, there is an absolutely marvelous panel of Floki just giving him the side eye. There's a lot of panels of one eye being shadowed in this and it adding a whole new level of menace to whoever that person is. Like there was just a lot, especially in this um, flashback, like there's a lot of like, hey, this person's having deep, like philosophical thoughts right now. Shade. <laughs> Shading. Lots of negative space. Look how alone they are. <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, despite all of uh, his trying to uh, avoid it, uh, word did get out that um, Thor's was a great hero and war has come to the village. Glorious war. Yeah, let's go get in fights. Let's earn glory. I'm going to go kill a whole bunch of Englishmen, come back rich and marry Ilva, says everyone who goes. I also want to kill a bunch of Englishmen and steal their gold and go marry Ilva. Granddad, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have a very interesting thing with Thorfinn here as he's been eavesdropping on this whole conversation. And over the course of like a day, this kid has learned that his ancestors in his own mind were cowards, learned that his father was a great and mighty war hero, and that his father was a deserter. And again, Thorfinn's childish understanding of how heroism works this causes a lot of angst in the little kid's mind, as seen as he violently brutalizes his friends in their war games. You're dead. No, I have, invi I have super invincible armor. 
you know, the the game is you get hit by an opponent, you're dead, you have to lay down. He gets stabbed by a spear and keeps slapping people with his wooden sword. I'm I'm just saying the Thorfinn we see in the first chapter, I believe, could get stabbed by a spear and kill seven men around him. Because like the other thing that's important about that scene is that at first, Thorfinn didn't actually get hit. He was just beating the living daylights out of everybody and everybody was confused and terrified and in pain. So when someone who Thorfinn had thoroughly beaten said, hey, calm down, it's just a game, remember? That stalls Thorfinn long enough for him to get hit in the back with a spear. Um, and they're like, okay, Thorfinn's dead now. We can continue with this game. And instead of falling, Thorfinn turns around and full force bashes the kid who uh, hit him with the spear in the face with his wooden sword. He like breaks the kid's jaw. It's in. Yeah. Not the only thing. Uh-huh. There's, and... bro- there's broken arms. There's lost teeth. It's insane. And you'll grow Especially new ones. maiming these children. Yeah. Also a child. In fact, we get confirmed he is younger than most of the other children there. Yeah, these yeah. are like teen, these are apparently like young preteens, teenagers, and they're like, we don't want to pay, play with Thorfinn anymore. He's like destroying <laughs> us. Stop. One of my favorite scenes is um one of the the neighborhood parents brings a child to Thor's because he knows how to like medical stuff. And he goes like, Oh, well, this kid's arm's broken. Gonna fix this up real quick. Hey, what happened? Oh yeah, your son did this to him. What? He's like, yeah, no, your son's amazing. He's beating up kids on a 10th grade level. (laughs) You need to have a mentality of this is a a civilization or a society that values, you know, bravery and the warrior spirit and everything. So in their mind, this is great. And it's just interesting to kind of like, you don't understand. He's like maimed your children. Yeah, yeah. Thor's is very much against the whole, whole idea of Viking society. To such a degree that I'm kind of wondering where this mentality came from. Well, we get an idea of that later on. I don't think we do. We get told why he does it, but that doesn't... Yeah, that doesn't explain why he has a 20th century mentality on violence. Why he rejects Hmm. the entirety of his culture with no outside influence is the thing that I'm kind of like... True. I feel like there's more about Thor's background that we could learn Mm-hmm. That that might come up later in the manga, but we need to get to the part that we actually do learn first. It's also interesting, though, that his wife, Helga, who doesn't is like also seeming to be really understanding of Thorne's mindset. His, and it seems that they really, really seem to understand each other on a deeper level than a lot of couples do. I know mm-hmm. we don't get a lot of them, but she also of note does not really fully seem to be vocal or embrace the 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 viking culture or at least not openly and i know it's just because you know she's you know his wife but she doesn't she also doesn't come like out and like cheer for violence and bloodshed as much as the other ones do like it's also highlighted when they have their conversations in a way like when they're discussing really heavy situations you know for instance when thor's is asked to go back into the life of like battle or anything like that you know they have a very short concise you know discussion as if they really understand each other so it's not even like yeah they don't have to use many words yeah it's very much the case where relative to the rest of the story thor's exists 
as a something of a thesis statement in a lot of ways. There are other places where the story I feel did a better job of like diegetically implementing elements of that sort of nature. And that's sort of that's sort of the thing that I, I was trying to convey about why Thor's, despite being like easily the nicest person in the manga, I didn't get really that attached to him because I can't help but notice he has a 20th century mentality of uh, violence yeah. when thing, he's a Viking. One thing I will say it, in over here in the Thor's stand club, <laughs> <laughs> which is a fair place to be. He is really cool. Yeah, is of all of the people in this village, it's pretty easy to assume that he is the only one who has actually seen active conflict. Yeah, fair. That's that's a everyone else has only heard the stories of glorious battle. And so that's the only thing they know. They hear war and they think, yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to be some insane badass like Thor himself going and cleaving my way through 20 Englishmen, come back soaked in blood and uh, with a thousand pounds of silver slung over my shoulder. And meanwhile, Thor's is like, war is a bloody thing. Men die for no better reason than because another man said they wanted the treasure or the land. This is a horrible travesty. Everything about this is wrong and we should run from it. Pretty much does really well summarize Thor's entire mindset as the entire like village is preparing for war. Because they're like, war is coming to town. We're all going to make some extra spending money for the summer. And and he is standing there, head bowed, shoulders stiff, cast in shadow in front of this entire crowd of cheering people. Again, panel work astounding. <laughs> we have another one of my favorite scenes. A lot of them happen in this particular section, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> Little Thorfinn uh, awoken to violence, goes into uh, starts rooting around inside the house and Ilva's like, dude, what are you looking for? You're tearing the entire storage room up. And he's like, I'm looking for our weapons. Weapons, we don't have any of those. We have to. Dad's a war hero. Oh, hey, here's this chest that was buried deep behind a whole bunch of other things in the uh, storage room. Like, we were trying to keep it away from everybody. <laughs> Let me open this up. Ooh, swords. What do you and do? And then Thor's grabs the sword his son is looking at by the blade. By the blade, like a madman. And says, what are you doing? Do you want a sword? I yeah. Why? To kill enemies? You have no enemies. No one has any enemies. What? It is a poignant scene and it's clear that all of this man's deep understanding wrought of battle and suffering are completely going over his young son's head because again he is a child he doesn't understand what violence really means mm -hmm. what, what thor's is essentially saying to him is like but those are our enemies i'm like no one has any enemies. They have a group of people. Someone sitting in a nice warm castle told you to go fight. Don't, that doesn't mean anything. That's what war is, is you being told by some fat asshole to go kill some people you've never met and probably would have never come into conflict to because no good reason. Which, which again is emphasized in chapter one because General Zifrog didn't even want the fortress for the tactical location. He literally just wanted the treasure in there. 
and was willing to throw waves after waves of his own men against the door to do it. But again, Thorfinn is blinded by rage and vengeance and does not see these things. Not even rage and vengeance right now. It's uh that he It's heroic zeal at this point. Though there uh-huh. is an element of, there is an element of anger to it because he feels that his ancestors were cowards and he doesn't understand why his father stopped being a hero. It couldn't be because he's a coward too, right? And like Surely not. And like him trying to parse that out. Like he's basically trying to act vicariously and you know, prove both his own and his father's medal. There's a great scene after this, too, where um, Thorfinn runs out like in his like preteen angst at this point. Was it Helga or is it his daughter who wraps uh, Thor's hand in the thing and chastises him? It was Helga. Okay. It was Helga. She doesn't even really chastise him. She uh, wraps up the wound on Thor's hand. There's definitely an aside of like, why did you grab the blade? <laughs> Uh, Yelva, Yelva is there too because uh, she was in the scene, and of course, Yelva has to point out how stupid that was. Because it was very stupid. It was very stupid. Yeah. And because yeah, we see him like gripping the blade and blood running from his hands. And do you get the metaphor? Which honestly is also what Thor's is saying to Thorfinn. Although in universe, it's a metaphor for his son. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, no, Thorfinn does not get the metaphor. He's six or eight. We don't remember. But I do love the bit where uh, Helga and Thors are looking at each other and Thors can't bring himself to say what he has to. So he just says, take good care of our son. The next best thing to goodbye, because he knows he's going to die. Yeah, this is another one of those. Raise him well. Raise him well. Yeah, this is another one of those scenes where their bond is really well shown because they don't have to they don't have to have a lengthy conversation. They know what the other means. Oh, most of the speech bubbles between these two are just ellipsis, and I honestly kind of love it. Also, like why you might get a bad rap for Helga. You're like, oh, she doesn't get enough speaking parts. Like because the main person she talks to, she has such a deep connection with. Yeah, she doesn't need it. Meanwhile, Thor's is the one who addresses crowds of people. Yeah, like It's it's a false dichotomy. It's the it's the type of relationship where she just has to give him a look and he's damn it. <laughs> damn it, I'm in trouble. I shouldn't have grabbed the knife by the blade. <laughs> <laughs> look, as a as a knife enthusiast, that panel made me wince super hard. <laughs> but at the same time, I appreciated the artistry. So, you know, it's six of one half a dozen of another. Do we have to take your butterfly knife away? I just said I didn't want to grip the blade, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Thors has announced that he is only going to take five men with him into battle because that is the number he needs. And Thors is the best at battle, so he knows the most about it. Don't pay attention to the fact that this is all he needs to uh, sail the ship. Yeah, there are there are a lot of people who are like, that seems like a low number, but I'm going to take Thor's at his word. Uh, It's also important to note that Leif Erikson is coming along as well because he was going to go do some trading anyway. Yeah, in his own ship, it should be noted. Yeah, specifically, he was actually going to leave the day before, but this whole mess caused him to make a change of plans. We uh, we get a pretty fun scene with uh, Yilva (laughs) as... um, uh, every boy in town <laughs> there's a parade of five dudes waiting behind her door it's it's pretty funny because the first dude is like portrayed on his own so you're like oh cool that must have been like the dude who had like a crush on her because she's definitely not into him 
yeah she just woke up she has the i haven't even had my coffee face and they don't know coffee exists yet <laughs> she's definitely uh woken up by the phone ringing and then call waiting button is flashing while she's on the phone with him (laughs) (laughs) there's a parade of dudes saying when i come back uh decked in glory from my uh, grand battles will will you marry me and none of them managed to say it (laughs) and she just is like are there seriously no other young women in this town think she knows what they're all gonna at what they're all asking her and she's like oh god internally cringing i mean in all all fairness we get basically confirmed from thor's saying it later on it's just like i'm gonna be honest if any of you guys came back with like a haul of viking treasure she'd probably be really into you because she loves money and strong dudes like (laughs) (laughs) he understands his daughter yeah yeah. Um, she's like, oh, frig's sake. They haven't even managed to actually sack a town yet. Come back to me when you've actually when your balls actually drop, boys. With money. Yeah. It, and it's like it's not even like she's internally cringing. She like she's externally cringing. You go through the first scene with the main guy and then she looks past him and sees four other unnamed extras behind him, at which point she just like buries her face in her hands like, oh, this is going to be all morning, isn't it? <laughs> an, an astute listener might notice that uh, Jacob mentioned the four unnamed extras who we also know are part of the five man raiding party. So we can uh, pretty much guess what's going to happen to them as um... <laughs> Everyone gets on a boat. Uh, we do. We do learn that there is at least one other young, pretty girl in the in the village because uh, she comes up to uh, uh, Ani. One of them is named. Yeah, it's yeah. It's the kid with the black hair. Yeah, I want to say yeah. Aki, but that's a Japanese name, so that sounds wrong. She asks uh, Thor's to watch out for him. Ari. His name is actually Ari. Oh, cool. I was close. But um, so that is the one named character who is going on his first uh, warfare mission. And Te- um, technically all of them get names, but they aren't assigned to faces. So, meh. yeah. <laughs> and uh, Ari is the one who is mildly good looking and the only other girl in town, we can assume. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, in all fairness, given the size of the village, I can fully believe there are only two girls of... Of that age. Yeah, no, it's funny as a joke, but it's also probably actually true. Mm -hmm. Also, I know the only reason I know that one of the other soldier boys names is because his name is Magni. And that's the name of the Dwarf King in World of Warcraft. And yeah, me king. Anyway, they're going off on their fake war mission, as we find out, just trying (laughs) to move the plot along. Uh Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Leif Erikson comes up to the girl who told Ari to be okay and is like, eh, don't worry about him. He'll be fine. But but how do you know, Mr. Leif? Oh, because he's not actually going into battle. What? Yeah, no, we're going to stop at a uh, at a common rest point and Thoris is going to dump all the soldier boys back onto my boat so that I can bring them back here and he's going to sail the rest of the way himself. Oh, but doesn't that mean that Thoris is going into battle alone? <laughs> and Leaf doesn't even answer that as there's another beautiful panel of Thor's standing tall and imposing in a bunch of negative space. 
That is really cool, but was she not listening to Leif Erikson just tell her he's going to hire an army? Yeah, I was going to say, he does mention that he's going to hire uh, mercenaries when he gets to the place where the rest of his crew is getting kicked off. But doesn't that mean he's going to fight alone? Objectively not. Um, (laughs) You know, yeah, no, Leif says, I was friends with the old king there. I'm sure the current king will uh, lend me some dudes. But it's like, of the people from this village... Technically, yes, Thor's is going alone. Look, the point is that he knows he's going to die. So they all start rowing. We have the five soldier boys on one side of the longboat and Thor's alone on the other with the biggest fucking... (laughs) Thor with his massive Thor. God damn it. I was going to call it a a pizza paddle. It is. Because <laughs> he literally has the strength of five men <laughs> and he still uh, pushes the rowing so hard that the other five are left sore and like complaining about that sore and battered. And he's like, what are you guys tired already? What? N- no, boss, it's fine. My arse, my arse. <laughs> sore and battered. I'm like, what happened here? <laughs> I mean, hey, row, yes. rowing like that requires a lot of rocking back and forth. And on a hard bench, it'll do a number on your butt. Oh, well, I'll take your word for it. You would know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about either of those statements. The important thing here is Thor says, uh, well, don't worry. We've hit the current, so the boat will sail itself for a little while. At which point, a uh, voice off panel says, oh, so that means we can't go back. Right, father? Yes, I, wait a minute, what? And Thorfinn pops out of a barrel, like, I gotta pee. He full-on Monkey D. Pee. Luffy's out of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like enough that I believe it's a, it's a intended reference. Like, it's, it's, I, I thought about it. I, I might compare the panels, like, to see how close they are. But, yeah, it looks check like it. Twitter feed. Yeah, check, check the Twitter feed, which, um, if you're listening to this, I already posted. Sorry to break the <laughs> illusion. Anyway. <laughs> Thorfinn uh, has apparently been holding in the need to piss the entire time he was in that barrel. And before his father can really be like, kid, what the hell? He runs to the side and starts peeing in the ocean and is taken aback by the beauty of the sea and the huge grin on his face of father. It's the sea is enough to temporarily calm Thor's wrath at what's happening right now. Dude, it's that post-stream clarity. Like, <laughs> you, you reach enlightenment as just like, oh. <laughs> we have our adventurers on their way, including one stowaway. This will become a running theme. As we cut to, uh, you know what? This entire time, we've been leading up to uh, the thing that we know is going to happen. Thor's is going to die at Askeladd's hand. But where's Askeladd? Uh, well, he is somewhere else uh, t- <laughs> tormenting a Christian priest and uh, talking with Floki of the Joms Viking. Yeah, this is this is just another example of the type of and I would say Askeladd's a villain. I feel like he'd be fine with the label. And it's like the type of villain that he is, like the level of control he has on on the situation. His men are like there's a dichotomy they put between. Because um, when we when the scene opens, they're being drunken idiots and you don't think much of them. Which is put in direct comparison to um, the other guys, men, which are like very ordered, like they are standing at attention in uniform in a line. 
Oscalod's men are like, hey, lighten up, come drink with us. And they look at them with disgust. Yep. It's like, hey, whatever, you're lost. Now somebody give me a hatchet. I'm going to axe throw at this priest. If I hit him in the head, then the barrel of mead's mine. Whoa, boom. Ah! Ah, what do I get for a leg? It's pretty horrific, actually. Like a lot of the things in Vinland Saga. That was that was something that I heard about it that it did deliver on. Uh, yeah, Vikings were horrific. In, uh, I, <laughs> like... I don't know what we expected from the rage and from the raid and pillage people. But if, if it was them to do exactly that, then we got what we bargained for. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely ticks the box. But uh, as all the shenaniganery is happening, Asklad is very casually leaning back in a chair talking with Floki. Like, uh, so uh, you want us to go kill this Thor's guy, right? And uh, here's where we learn conspiracy runs a little deeper the plot it thickens does it the plot is literally hey i want you to kill thors well specifically what the what it is is um well the floki claims that i'm hiring you to kill thors because it's the punishment of of a deserter is death in order to get executed, yeah. He, his running away has stayed this execution by 15 years, but he needs to die, and so you're going to go fulfill that for me. And uh, Oscalod, uh picks up one. That doesn't make sense. If you wanted to kill him, you could have just done it. You were literally in his house. Two, the, uh, the amount of time that's passed... That's holding a grudge more so than anyone I've ever met. And um, after the end of the scene, um, uh, Askeladd's like, this guy wants him dead with no one else knowing about that. I'm going to file this away in my uh, mind brain for later. But, uh, yeah. the, main, the main crux of this entire scene is the negotiation he does to get that job on the table, though. Yeah, because because yeah. that synthesizes with the actual negotiations, which is outstanding because uh, Floki says, I'll pay you 100 gold coins for it. And Oscar saying, yeah, sure. 100 gold coins up front and 100 when we're done. That's not what I said. It's like, oh, right. Well, uh, you know, I really do think that uh, this is worthy of this sort of thing. Why would I pay your drunken rowdies for this? And about at this point, a spear comes flying into the room. Well, no, they have like a stare down because the implication is how he says something along the lines of how dare you like haggle with me. Yeah. And it's like uh, both of them are staring at each other for a noticeable silence of like, I could kill you right here is what like the strong indication is where Ascalad's just like, I don't care. And then, yeah, spear comes flying through, sails right past Ascalad's face, hits the tarp right next to him. Yeah, the tapestry on the wall. Does Ascalad does not blink. The specific line that leads that is, uh, why should I pay you that much? You know, you have um, Boar's, oh, sorry, boss, my mistake. It was an accident. I'm really drunk right now. Hey, be careful out there. You almost killed me. <laughs> my, these guys, am I right? Unhurt? Nah, we're good. Oh man. What are you gonna do? But it's like when the when the spear sailed by and impacted the 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 fact that this thing went flying in front of them, Oscalod's eyes did not change. They were still locked onto uh Floki's 
at which yep. point Floki backs down 100 gold up front, 100 uh, with uh, proof of death. Mm hmm. And so Askeladd and his crew walk away. And we also learn that uh, Floki had one of the Joms Vikings behind that tapestry. He's dead now. <laughs> Presumably to kill Astolat if he tried to pull anything. And as we're walking away, this is when this is when Oscalod mentions, oh, there's something else going on here. I might be able to use this if it ever comes up again. And then he turns to um, Bjorn and is like, nice shot, by the way, Bjorn. It went exactly to plan. Mm -hmm. And like the level of control this guy had over the entire situation. Like, and it's like, that's once again, a case where it's like, it's the charisma of he sold that. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just that he like has men who are extremely well trained and can pull off a spear throw like that. He had them play the drunken idiots to sell that scene. And and it's just more of we already knew this guy was a dirty snake. And now we know he's a dirty snake with frickin galaxy brain. <laughs> it's specifically he creates situations where he knows how people are going to react, because the second he knows how someone is going to react to a situation, he owns them. And so uh, this is where we find ourselves. Askeladd's gang going after Thor's and Thor's and the crew from the village making their way to Denmark. They come across a group of islands, but. Actually, I, I am skipping over a scene that I really like. Before they get to there, uh, it's the Night Watch. Uh, Ari and Thor's are on watch as they're sailing their way down. And he's like, come on, Thor's, give me some heroic tale. And Thor's looks at Thorfinn asleep in his lap. And he says, let me tell you about the story of my daughter's birth. <laughs> Not what I was expecting, but... <laughs> I'm just saying, potential... Potential portier would really want to hear about, you know, their entire process. <laughs> we get a flashback within the flashback of a younger Thors at the birth of Ilva, uh, who's like, man, this kid is so noisy. Also, it's a girl. Helga, get me a boy next time. By the way, I'm going back to battle. Please support its head. Don't just flail it around like that. It's a baby. It's so loud. Is it broken? Do they normally make noise like this? <laughs> God, it's just. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's got a, my favorite bit, though, is the right next where um, he puts the baby down and Helga goes, um, what are what are you going to name her? And he goes, eh, just pick something out. I don't really care. And then as he's leaving, Helga goes, you stay here and you name your daughter. Yeah, it's important to note that this was a very rough birth. Helga looked like she was about to die, but she yes. she sits up holding the baby, stares her husband, who, reminder, is a war monster, dead in the eye and says, give her a name. Like the way that um, Thors is talking about Helga in the flashback, like he didn't particularly care about her at this point. Yeah, she was essentially a baby maker. He literally took one look. Oh, it's a girl. Oh, I need a boy. Can you mm -hmm. get on that? Bye. <laughs> and Bye. he says, it's one of the only times I ever saw Helga angry. You freaking ignored her existence, despite the fact she is, as you acknowledge, the chief's daughter. It's not one of the only times. It's the only time in the 15 years they've been together. He's seen her mad. Oh, yeah, he, he messed up something mm -hmm. big. <laughs> And he he tells Ari, 
that was the moment I learned to fear the battlefield. Yes. Yep. He awoke to justice. He learned that there are things more precious than battle and glory, and that battle and glory destroys those things. There's more important things than getting the big deal with the client and coming back home with fat stacks of cash. <laughs> There's spending quality time with my family. Oh, wait, no, my daughter's very materialistic. I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Yilva works in the context of Midland Saga as it is, but this fan fiction we're writing, she actually works even better, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Thoris gives her the name of Yilva because it's the first one that came to his mind. It was his mother's name. Which is cute. At Like, I thought, oh, that's so sweet. And then I'm like, oh, it's probably the only female name other than Helga he knew. <laughs> that's what I thought. To be fair, he was pretty scared of his wife at the time, so he probably wasn't thinking about a lot of uh, things in general. Well, I can't name her Helga. That's probably the wrong answer. <laughs> <laughs> like a total Goku moment here. Huh. Name. Goku Jr. Goku, you can't call him that. Chi Chi Jr. <laughs> Goku. Uh, that's the end of the flashback, and that's why Thor's hates war now. Is he he had a baby and was forced to acknowledge that it was a thing and name it that turned him into the man he is today. In all fairness, there's probably a lot more to the story. This is where it turned around for him, and there was a journey after that uh, to the man he currently is. And I am very excited to see that story if it gets brought up at all. But even still, I wholly buy that this is enough to turn him into the man he was. Because, you know, once he gives something a name, it's got a name now. It is a thing. It it's, is. It's real. You have to accept that. Mm -hmm. And it's his daughter given to him, uh, born by his wife, who, despite the rough birth, had enough fire and life in her to castigate him from her bed. <laughs> And that was then he learned to fear his wife, mm -hmm. for she's scary. Yep. <laughs> it, it's an exceptionally poignant moment. And like, I understand why, Jacob, you you had a hard time accepting Thor's as he is. This sold it for me. It see, the thing is, I love this scene. It's really more it's really more the dichotomy of Everyone acts like the age, and then here's this guy who's the goody two shit. Because like this, I love this scene too. I'm with you on that. Scene. Yeah, me, me and Jacob both clearly like this scene. I think ours is more a meta problem with Thor's yeah. philosophy. Uh, I, In the I, context of the story, everything jives. I'm not saying there's a narrative problem. I'm saying metally, like where are these ideas coming from? Yeah, because you're telling me that every Viking, I guess, never named their child. No, I understand. I understand. Anyway, yeah. I'm just saying from my own personal perspective, this was enough. Yeah, and that's why I want that's also why part of the reason why I wanted to make clear that like as much as I didn't jive with the characters, it's not a problem with the characters of the story, so to say. It's just that was me and mm -hmm. my take on it. Yeah, but now that we understand and care about Thor, it's time for him to die. <laughs> yeah, let's uh let's get through this. Um so the plan was to drop off on a pit stop, swap mm -hmm. out um the boat and send them on their way. The problem is they get like halfway into the pit stop and Thor's immediately goes, there used to be more, uh, there used to be more houses here. I don't like this. We're turning around. No, it's not even, it's not even Thor's. It's Leaf that says that. It's Leaf Erickson. 
Thor's is the one who says, I don't like the feel of this. We're turning around. Leaf voices, you're right. I see it too. And then he explains to somebody that there are fewer houses than there should be. Which is to say none, because they are currently in an inlet between two uh, sheer clefts. Well, there's there's like two or three houses, but you can see how like like it's obviously mm-hmm. that the, the shore has obviously been stripped bare of buildings like you can tell. The real point of this is it's an ambush as a group of archers on the tops of the um, cliffs on each side of the inlet they're in go. Well, they were supposed to go in further. Guess we're working with this. <laughs> and they dump the remains of the houses they destroyed into the inlet just in case you were wondering people point out that these are the support beams of houses there's also chairs and tables so yes there was a lot of murder that happened off screen do you feel bad yet (laughs) there's a lot of murder that happens on screen like yeah that's uh also a thing what i'm saying is the body count of this ambush is super high for just going after one dude and then thor's gets involved Mm -hmm. Uh, Because effectively what that barricade does do as um, Thor's is shouting, look, everyone just put your shields up. Arrows can't go through shields. This is uh, 1000 AD. Uh, That's the level of technology we're at. They don't have crossbows. Your shields should be enough. Thor's, what's a crossbow? We'll find out in 20 years. Shut up. (laughs) I guess 10 years. But anyway. So they end up having to sail into the ambush, which they don't really like to, but that doesn't matter because the second this plan didn't seem to work. They are closed in on by the enemy ships. Uh Uh-huh. Two warships start sailing towards them and uh, Thor's activates super mode as he straps on a sword, runs to the prow, leaps off his own boat, sails like 20 meters and crashes down on one of the warships. Which is interesting because from the point of view of the people on the warships we get, he appears to teleport there because they are suddenly completely unaware how he got there. (laughs) Yeah, because this is Askeladd and crew sailing in for the ambush. Askeladd's on the boat Thor's didn't jump to, by the way. Uh, And he's like, yeah, all right, boys, let's take these ships. We'll get some slaves. We'll kill Thor's. We're getting out of this rich. And meanwhile, he doesn't even realize that one of the boats is currently being incapacitated by Thor's who pulled off the biggest athletics role of all time. (laughs) Yeah, as Thor's is refusing to draw his weapon and one shot knocking people out with punches. He does eventually draw his sword, but he only uses it to block other bladed weapons. He doesn't swing with it. Yeah. One notable thing is he is cleaning house. He's knocking out every member of this crew with like shots to the jaw or disabling hits to nerve clusters or dislocating limbs. Just everything to take these people out without actually killing them. Except your boy Bjorn is the head of this ship and he has eaten the berserker mushroom. Dude, what is that mushroom? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he enters Berserker State. You know, the classic. I'm just saying, man, what are you doing over there? Are you going to do that special cocaine? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll see. Literally mushrooms, though. No, you got to do cocaine because it's the 80s. Everyone was doing cocaine. Everyone. Instead of an inlet, it's an alley with a with a car parked on the mm-hmm. one end to keep them from getting out. And Thor is teleported into the other car. 
No. Why? Okay. Because let's, it's let's, really cool. Anyway. Let's let's get back to Thor's punching people to not death. Um. <laughs> so, it, Thor's versus Berserker Bjorn. Uh, Bjorn is strangling his own men to death because he's in the state of transcendental rage, and Thor's is just slapping him all up. There, there's like three rounds they go where Bjorn keeps getting up until Thor's eventually yeets him into the water, and then. And then Hulk leaps back onto his own boat. As all of this is happening, Asgard's ship pulls up, drops boarding planks, and is getting ready to get onto the warship where our five village boys and also Thorfinn, he's here, uh, are like, sure, we'll fight them off, right? This will be our first glorious victory. Unrelated, I think I just realized, is the main character's name seriously Thorfinn the Orphan? I mean, technically his mom is still alive, but... As far as we know. That's true, yeah. His mom being alive is the only reason I didn't make that joke earlier. Because <laughs> I had that thought, too. And it's like, yeah, this is going to be our first glorious battle, right? It's like, guys, you're literally outnumbered six to one. There's five of you. There's 30 of them. Did you not just see the god I did on that other boat. Can you do that? You're outclassed. Stop it. <laughs> Thor's leaps his way back onto his own boat. He actually does have a moment of looking at the enemy ship and is like, 30 dudes. Not really a problem for me, but this is going to cause a melee that's going to get everyone else on this boat killed. And he zeroes in on Asgard and is like, you, you're their leader, right? 1v1 me, bitch. <laughs> in the name of Odin. How did you know I was the leader? Because you smell like a bitch. <laughs> uh, well, no, he's, uh, it's not so much you smell they like a bitch. They both just smelled that they were leaders, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. how you assert dominance? You, you, you sniff their scent glands? Yep. I'm just in this. <laughs> you know, I wasn't going to make the joke, but now that Jay said that, yeah, it's some real ABO shit. <laughs> Oh, man. oh dear I, I i hate myself for that <laughs> he uh he challenges him to a duel in the name of odin with the prize being if he wins they uh turn around and head home and if they win they get um all of them as slaves for like a quarter of the price because effectively what he's saying is if you try and take us by force i will start killing your men mm-hmm You'll take maybe 12 slaves. I will kill thrice that number. And Asgard's like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's do it. Man, uh, what a fight between these two. I, I almost feel it's hard to get into because it's just. Uh... It's it's literally like four chapters of really good cinematic paneling that we really just can't discuss because it's cool. Like scenes have to you have to see it you know like and like the um the, the strategies I... the strategies they employ i almost don't want to give away what they actually do because like both of it's their strategies the... fooled me <laughs> like the bit i talked about earlier about the onomatopoeia tracking a person leaping over an obstacle that happens here it was the part that really made me open my eyes and go oh wow this this manga knows what it's doing it's like Matt said, it's storyboarding. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's really really good so this fight is absolutely beautiful i watched the clip from the anime it's beautiful in that as well this is also the point where we remind uh that swords can in fact break in this universe but don't worry that's after the bit with the knives so we've forgotten about that by then <laughs> thor's entire plan is to uh, batter down their weapons to the point where one of them will break and that will be his opening because he knows that uh Askeladd. he'll do something reckless when a sword breaks the fight is actually from Askeladd's perspective mm -hmm. and he's intentionally taking hits on his armor to uh wear down his wear down um thor's sword it just so happens that thor's sword breaks and Askeladd's like yes my opportunity he goes for the big swing and thor's is like mm, yes all according to keikaku punches <laughs> punches Asclad right in the funny bone, making him drop the sword. Thoris catches it and goes for the decapitation and stops right at the neck. I have won the honorable duel. Leave now. Okay, if I admit I, if I admit that I lost, you know that like all these pirates will turn on me, right? Yeah, but you still lost. Okay, but I'm not going to surrender. And unless you kill me, this duel is never going to end. By the way, Bjorn's woken up and taken your kid hostage. And, and, and yes, indeed, Bjorn has woken up, gotten onto the warship and taken Thorfinn hostage. At which point Thor's is like, OK, you came here to kill me, right? Yeah. Kill me then. OK, archers and all of the archers turn Thor's into a pincushion, bleeding from about half a dozen arrow wounds, completely covered in uh thorns looking like a porcupine thor's is standing there like all right you got me now let go of the boy okay with this still the look of the warrior on his face at which point bjorn does indeed do that mm -hmm. and thor's again still bleeding out from multiple wounds turns to oscalon and says i won the duel leave yeah no you you're right you won in the name of my ancestor artorius i will leave Bye. Have a have a good death. Yeah, I, I like this moment for Askeladd because as much of a snake as he is, he possesses a shred of honor. I wouldn't even say it's honor. I'd say he knew like after that display, any slaves he got from this would not be worth the hassle. Like, mm hmm. But like, I also feel like he wasn't happy with the way that it played out. Like he recognized he lost got the prize anyway, and I, I feel like that put something of a bad taste in his mouth. Like, I don't think he was happy with what Bjorn did. He's like, hey, you lost. You need a grovel, not you're dead. Don't be dying standing up like a badass. Like, what is this nonsense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. Thor's goes full white beard. He dies on his feet. He at no point falls. He doesn't bend. He is standing there like a rigid oak. And then he dies, and he still does not move. After uh, Thorson is released and goes over to him, and as he puts his hand on his son's head, he dies. To which I'm just like, dude was shot with uh, arrows for the entirety of a chapter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he starts he making a lot of demands after he gets shot. But think of the intimidation factor, though. No, it's, it's very cool, but in retrospect, I'm like, he yeah. did a lot. <laughs> Mans has half a dozen arrow wounds in him, and he's still walking and talking. Naturally, everyone's going to be like, 
Yes, sir. Not only did he beat our leader in fair in combat, he's also still kicking after all this. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to go to Valhalla. Whatever you say, dude. Also, the best part is actually skipped over the bit. He tells Leaf his funeral plans. Cut off my head and send it to Denmark. I don't want the king to think that I was continuing to desert. Let him know I died by pirates. Otherwise, the village will suffer. That that classic of, uh, of a lot of different kinds of narrative where the person who has been fatally wounded uh, can can get out their last will and testament before they actually go. As we uh, bring our reading to an end, uh, we actually end up following um, Askeld, Askeladd as um, him and his crew are celebrating. And uh, uh, after they left, let everyone go, uh, they actually also got uh, Thor's ship because without Thor's, they can't row it. So it's useless to them. So they tug along the ship. Our our crew was getting big enough. We needed a new ship soon anyway. That was part of that was part of the um, uh, negotiations uh, previously with Askeladd and uh, Floki, where Floki's like, you want 200 gold pieces? I'm already giving you anything that you can carry after the fight is over. Thorfinn, as he's wont to do, is stowing away inside the hold of his father's warship. And as soon as they're far enough away, uh, sailing off into open water with their new boat, Thorfinn steps out on the empty hold, being towed away and pulling out the short sword, raises it to the heavens, points it at Askeladd and says, I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Repeated about a dozen times. And uh, most notably, his eyes are now the sullen, determined, like predatory eyes that we see in the first chapter. Mm -hmm. He is a boy no longer. I absolutely love it because one of the Vikings in Asquad's band says he's just a boy, but look at his eyes and that speech bubble transitions between panels down into a close-up of Thorfinn's face and it's the face that you know from the cover of the manga (laughs) again the paneling work in this manga is outstanding but yeah that is where we have ended so favorite character everybody uh as I said I'm a member of the Thor's stand club (laughs) I very much enjoyed him. I recognize the criticisms that Jacob has levied and I accept them at the same time. He is still best boy and I'm very sad that he died. Thorfinn or Thor's? Thor's. The dad. Yes. Uh, Jay, who is your favorite character? Uh, Hands down Thorfinn for uh, obvious reasons. I look forward to seeing his... Um, further character development, because at this point of the story, though we're still very early in the in, in the series, I feel like there's going to be some emotional growth here and where he eventually grows into a way of fully realizing his father's viewpoint and obviously gets to Vinland. So, mm-hmm. yes, looking forward to that. Same prediction I have. Matt, how about you? So I think... I would say Thorfinn, although like what we got really isn't his story. So um, if I if I read more of this, I would probably lean more him because I really like where his character is going. But like as what we got right now, I think I'd actually have to go with um, Helga's a real strong choice. Mm. Just from what we get from her, she's really impactful. Or if I'm just going for a fun pick. Um, Yilva? Y- Yilda? Yilda, yeah. Yilda. 
Uh, I I really liked her every time she was on the panel. She's great. Are you in the running? <laughs> I mean, no, because I'm not. She she died a thousand years ago, so yeah. I'm just saying cause you could also get in that line and profess your fear. <laughs> I mean, no, she's she's probably dead. <laughs> and then uh, Jacob here. So one of my big problems, the reason why I was so lukewarm on it, despite all of the obvious quality of it, is I didn't really like the characters in general. I will say, though, the more I thought about it, Ascalot is definitely my favorite character. A big part of that being he's the only one that I see with any shades of gray to him. He is such a charming antagonist. And like the the ways that he is a bad person are like believable and natural. But like there's also like a humanity to him. So like I find him the most interesting. Helga's a a, a fun character, but I don't feel like we're going to be seeing any more of her is the big problem. And um, honestly, I think Yilva is best used in those like um, comedy four comas at the end of the volumes. Like she, she's an awful person, but it makes her really funny. <laughs> but like Askeladd, I think, is the most like dynamic of the characters, in my opinion. Askeladd is definitely my second favorite because, you know, y'all know I love trickster heroes, but he even if he is a trickster villain, you know, still <laughs> yeah tricksters in general are fun and he he has strong like prince of thieves energy okay. yeah 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 i so ca uh, like casual listeners will know i have a strong sympathy for people who just like say fuck it to like the conventions of an honorable duel to get what they want because that's the easiest way like yeah good <laughs> <laughs> So, next discussion question, thoughts on uh, the themes of violence, honor, and pride, and, you know, general, also in this, plot predictions going forward. Uh, I had a whole thing, but then Jay summarized it quite nicely in talking about why she liked Thorfinn. So, yeah, just hit the rewind button a couple of times and listen to what Jay said. That's my thoughts. Matt <laughs> <laughs> here, I'll, I'll go in. I, I really like, like, the constant theme this has of, like, having nowhere to run. Because it comes up so many times and it's always like, where do you go when you're at the end? And it's just like different characters have different ideas of what that means. And like, it, it feels like it's really opening that up to explore that deeper. We're kind of just getting like the opening thesis statement to it. And I just really like when those came up. Uh, as for a plot prediction, um, I'm going to be honest, as much as I like Askeladd, I don't see him as like a series villain. I see him as like a first arc villain, kind of mm -hmm. like I, I think the story, what it's building up to be is more so like Thorfinn's um, like journey to like be the man his dad actually was. And for that to happen, he's got to get through revenge, realize it doesn't make him happy and then like go through the entire like tumultuous process of like, then what will. And uh, how about you, Jake? What do you think? honestly don't have a lot of thoughts on it because I don't think we've gotten far enough. Like, obviously, like, what the themes are going to be has been thoroughly laid bare. But I don't think that um, Vinland Saga has made that definitive a statement on any individual thing because a lot of the characters have diametric diametrically op opposed views on a lot of different things. But, like, the guy who has the good guy viewpoint ended up dying and leaving his kid to obsess over revenge. So exactly like 
what this story has to say about those things, I don't think we've seen enough to know where it's going in specific. Like, obviously, like, violence bad. Like, that's it's a pretty basic thing. But, like, obviously, it's not as simple as that. Sometimes you have to fight to defend things. So what exactly the story has to say about, like, violence in particular, and then, you know, like, obviously, pride and honor are tied very inextricably to violence is, um, you know, a, an important layer of it. But what it actually has to say about those things, I don't think we've gotten quite far enough to to see, you know, anything more than like the basic basic thesis statement. You know, I think I think one of the strongest like thematic elements that the story has had so far is the you have no enemies uh, moment. But like, it's obviously not as simple as that because someone can just choose to attack you. As for plot predictions, um, you know, the stuff that Matt was saying about how um, Askeladd doesn't seem like a a series antagonist and more as a, a stepping stone in Thorfinn's character development. That idea I can see happening. Um, but like, honestly, it, like we got the introduction to the characters and their backstory. Um, there are a lot of like mutually exclusive places it could go. Um, I could very easily see them never getting to Vinland um, and that being part of it, depending on how uh, tragic you want the ending to be. You know, given the tone, there's a lot of places that it could choose to go moving forward. Um, I could see I could see it ending tragically that like this slave girl makes it to Vinland through Thorfinn's heroic sacrifice or something. And maybe he learned the lesson or maybe he never did. And that being a poignant statement. Uh, Jay, did you have any more to add? Nothing. Not well. I just wanted to add that um, that slave girl that I was interested in earlier. Mm. I feel like she is going to have a role in the future going. I could be completely wrong, but I feel like she's an important character. Yeah, I have a similar feeling. But uh, that brings us to the final question. Would you continue reading? Uh, for me, absolutely. This is 110%. Jake said it for uh, Eden Zero, so I'll say it for this. It's my kind of trash. I'm not saying it's trash. I'm just <laughs> using it as a turn of phrase. Don't get mad at, Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Yeah, when I said Eden Zero was my trash, it is trash, but I love it. This is good. <laughs> yeah, and it's the thing that activates my almonds in particular. So hell yeah, I'm going to keep reading. In fact, I'm going to, when we're done recording here, I'm going to go get the uh, Amazon Prime creds from my <laughs> off my parents so I can watch the anime without giving <laughs> Jeff Bezos money. What's a, it's an Amazon Prime anime? Oh no. <laughs> Exactly. That's I why heard. I haven't watched it. Well, the the dubbing, uh, the 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 uh, subbing, I assume, is done by Amazon Prime. Then is my concern about that. Less so mm -hmm. that the anime was made by Amazon Prime, which I doubt it was. It's yeah, distributed it's on Amazon Prime. Is the thing. But uh, anyway, Matt here. Um, short and sweet. Yeah, I'll keep reading. Um, I got enough hooked by this uh, little intro bit, so I'm seeing where the rest of this goes. Uh, Jay, would you keep reading? Yeah, sure. I mean. To be honest, Norse mythology or Norse history and just Vikings in general, while I breezed over it in history class, was never really didn't really catch on. But the way this is written and illustrated, it is pretty cool. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And Jacob, this is actually going to be the rare no from me. And 
I, I want to make a particular point of explaining why, because this is actually very similar to my issue with Chainsaw Man that I <laughs> did a very bad job of explaining what the issue was. This has a lot of interesting places to go, but because I'm not a particular fan of the characters, I don't want to spend the time to get there. And that's really what the thing is. A lot of these people are just jerks. And I'd rather spend my time on a uh, on a story that has characters I enjoy being around more than this. Now, if we were going to do another episode of Vinland Saga for the podcast, I'd be very happy to. Because, again, it's not that this is badly made. It's very, very good. And it's not even necessarily that the characters are bad. I've actually mentioned a bunch of places where I think the characters are really, really good. I just don't like them. And in not liking them, it makes me not want to engage with the story. In mm. other words, it's a preference thing. Oh, absolutely. Some people like to be, you know, challenged of like, what is wrong with these people? I want to learn more. And then some people, I want to, you know, feel like I'm among, not necessarily friends, but people mm. are like, I'm able to relate to more easily and could be threatened or not threatened, but just turned well, off by that challenge. It's... Well, it's it's not even necessarily the idea of being challenged. It's even more personal than that, because I like stories with characters that challenge me. It's that I specifically don't like these characters. It's not mm. that they're challenging or and it's certainly not that they're badly written. I personally didn't enjoy spending time with Thorfinn through the vehicle of the story. Despite the fact that Thorfinn's a well-written character. So you wouldn't be friends with Thorfinn. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't be friends with Thorfinn either, so. <laughs> I'm just saying I. Look, I got out of my Evanescence phase years ago, so we just wouldn't have a lot in common. That was your first mistake. The, the over manga cast will uh, always be on the record for saying that uh, there is a strong difference between something being good from a, like, literature perspective and something being good from I enjoyed it. Those are two entirely different ratings and you can like things that are trash like Eden Zero or you yep. can not like things that are good like famous book I don't like. Uh <laughs> or, in or indeed like Vinland Saga. And there we go. I think that is a good place to end it. Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Overmanga cast again. Next week, make sure to tune in because we are reading Blue Period, chapters 1 through 12. I know nothing about this. I'm looking forward to being surprised. I also yep. know nothing about this, so... Yep. Uh, as always, be sure to like, follow, uh, leave us a review at um, basically anything. Just search OvermangaCast. Facebook, uh, Twitter, YouTube. The YouTube comments are actually a really good way of getting a hold of us because there's a very low buy-in as opposed to podcast reviews. But if you really want to mm -hmm. do a podcast review, unlike uh, iTunes or um, any of your podcatchers have like review options, those are really good. Uh, we would really like those. We would not argue against it. So yeah, give us a follow. Make sure to tune in next week and we'll see you uh, the following Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody.